I'm going to have a tall, non-fat latte with caramel drizzle. Um, I'll have a grande iced sugar-free vanilla latte with soy milk. I want a triple venti soy no-foam latte. Triple venti half-sweet non-fat caramel macchiato decaf soy latte with an extra shot and cream tall half-calf soy latte at 120 degrees non-fat frappuccino with extra whipped cream and chocolate sauce venti one half and one half 10 pumps vanilla extra whip grande quad non-fat one pump no whip mocha decaf soy latte with an extra shot and cream venti ice skinny hazelnut macchiato sugar-free syrup extra shot light ice no whip you ever been one of, behind one of those guys in a Starbucks, in a coffee shop, and they rattle off an order like that? You're scratching your head because you have no freaking clue as to what they're saying? Yeah, me too. Um, typically, the most I will do might be caramel, might be mint. Love mint. Um, but a lot of times, I'm going to get like... Uh, maybe a vanilla latte or uh, maybe just a cup of coffee, some decent creamer. I don't know. Um, so the reason we're talking about this is today we are talking with barista Chris Bean. And uh, yes, that is his real last name. Pretty sweet. Actually, if you're going to be a barista, want to have a last name of Bean, right? So we're talking with him today, and it's pretty sweet because he actually um, helps run a coffee shop down in Cincinnati, Ohio, and it's pretty sweet some of the stuff he's doing with roasting, um, with training other uh, people to be baristas, and he knows his stuff, that's for sure, but one of the things that I found fascinating about this is um, yes, he got into it because he loves coffee and things like that. But see, one of the things that's sweet about it is it gives an opportunity to be, um, more intimate with somebody when you're sitting down over a cup of coffee. Um, there's something about it, you know, sitting down, having a cup of Joe and talking over life's issues, talking about what's, uh, what's going on with you, what's going on with them. Uh, how can we pray for you? That kind of stuff. And so um, it really began to, to make me think about this and, and um, sort of a bigger issue at hand here is uh, discipleship. And as we begin to look at discipleship, I think a lot of times, and I was having a conversation recently uh, with my pastor about this, but a lot of times I think that we think discipleship, not all churches, but a lot of churches, I think we think of discipleship as education. We're going to put you through this discipleship course. We're going to educate you. And then by the end, you'll be discipled. But that's not really what discipleship is. Discipleship is an intimacy. Now, will there be education that comes along with this intimacy, that comes along with this, this tightness? Yes, absolutely. But see, it's kind of the idea that you're not discipling like thousands of people necessarily. You're discipling a few people and they're very close to you. Um, I was talking with a good friend of mine and she mentioned that, 
You know, Jesus preached to thousands of people, thousands upon thousands, fed thousands of people, did miracles for all these different types of people, but he was only close and intimate with 12. 13, technically, if you count um, <laughs> count the disciple that, that kind of slid in at the end there after Judas was gone, but he was only tight with a handful of guys. So we began to look at that and ask the question, what is discipleship? And I think one of those key things that you can have with discipleship is taking the time out of your day, getting to know somebody, um, allowing somebody else to get into your life. And that's a scary thing because, man, when somebody starts looking at your life uh, and you're discipling them um, or maybe you're being discipled, you now are under a microscope. And when you're under a microscope, they all up in your business. They all know all your dirties. And that's a scary thing because a lot of times we got stuff we don't want people to know about. But a lot of times when that happens, when you are discipling, when you're being discipled, there is a closeness that can't be had any other way. And again, it's not thousands upon thousands that you're going to do this with. Uh, if you do, that'd be amazing. But see, this is with the select few. You can, you know, count them on both hands type of deal. Um, that's who this is with. And so discipleship is not just educating. It's not I'm going to put you through a course. It's not I'm going to teach you what we believe and why we believe what we believe. And we can have all the scripture all day long. No, discipleship is one-on-one. -on -one. Discipleship is... Um, you know, going out, grabbing a cup of coffee. So it was really cool to talk with Chris today because, um, he feels the same way about this. He loves the idea of, uh, grabbing a cup of coffee with uh, some college students and just getting to know them, talking to them, um, sharing his experience, hearing their life stories, um, kind of getting into that concept where it's not just, oh, Hey, you're in this, you know, college and career group. You're in this youth group. Um, let's go have fun and, you know, I can teach you some things. And then at the end of whatever service we're done, no, it's the type of thing where, man, I'm up late and I'm really struggling. And I'm wrestling with something. Who am I going to text? Who am I going to call? You're going to call that person that you're discipling or person that is discipling you. And so as we begin to think about discipleship, maybe take a step back and rethink the idea of discipleship as not just education, although that's important. We need to know why we believe what we believe. Um, but I would even say more so um, an intimacy with a, a few, a handful. Um, that That's discipleship. In fact, I mean, it's, it's not like it's not important. It's part of the great command. Go in all nations. Make disciples. Hey, go in all nations and grab some coffee. There's some good coffee around the world. I'll tell you that. Uh, Chris was able to hook me up with some delicious coffee. Some Kenyan Chuka region. I think that's how you say it. Well-rounded and subtle fruit. I mean, I, I'm i not even 100% on what that means, but I'm excited to ground this stuff up and, and give it a whirl because it, smells divine 
So I'll need to go grab someone and disciple them. <laughs> um, but yeah. So maybe, maybe look at your discipleship that you have going on, or maybe you don't have discipleship going on. Go find someone, reach out to somebody. Maybe you need discipled. Hey, well, go to your pastor, talk with them. Um, that's why they're there. Talk with them, let them know, Hey, I really need someone, uh, maybe as a mentor figure, uh, someone to disciple me, someone I can just talk with. Do you have any suggestions? Maybe it'll be them. Who knows? Maybe it'll be somebody else that you didn't even think about. Um, a lot of times who I find that are really great to talk with, grab some of those senior citizens that are there. They got great stories. I mean, I've talked about it before, but man, grab them. They're amazing. They're amazing. They have great advice. Um, I don't know if they're going to drink the same kind of coffee you drink with the venti ice skinny blah, 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 but they're going to drink a, probably a cup of coffee black because it puts hair on your chest, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, maybe decaf, I don't know, depending on the hour. Man, I, I never understood the concept of decaf coffee. I really don't. I guess some people just like the taste of coffee and it's just hot brown water to me. I don't get it, but more power to you. Good for you. So, but uh, excited, excited to talk with Chris Bean. Uh, it was great, great interview. Really enjoyed it. He's an awesome guy and definitely check out uh, the links that uh, he'll give us and we'll put it in the episode uh, information as well. If you need a great cup of coffee, if you need uh, some great beans, uh, different things like that check it out man so you guys ready let's go ahead and let's start the show yes <laughs> you got me straight up tripping boo you dipping and dapping and don't know what's happening they was grabbing hankies Waving blankies, they was running them aisles up in there. I respect your opinion, but you're wrong. So you guys are in for a real treat today. Right across the table from me is one of the baldest, most beautiful men I've ever met. And his name is Nick Jones, hailing to you from Columbus, Ohio. And... Um, yeah, regardless of what I say today, be sure you keep your eyes and ears peeled for the witty undertones of Mr. Nick Jones, because it's going to be good stuff. Thanks for joining us today um, in the Legacy Helms podcast. We have Chris Bean with us today, and uh, we're going to dive into this uh, coffee, what have you, with him and and pick his brain and see uh, what he's into. So thanks for being with us today, Chris. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. So, all right, you do what exactly? What would you say you do here? I hang out with college students. Yeah. And I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> and I make a lot of coffee coffee beverages and recently i started roasting coffee so uh it's just a daily exploration of how can i use coffee to create opportunities to engage with college students or really anybody I'm basically my passion my ministry has become kind of this 
pairing of hospitality and discipleship. So how do I engage people in conversations in ways that would, you know, lead to spiritual conversations, good conversations, big picture, big life, big question, discussions and things like that. Um, yeah, so I do that on the college campus. I mean, that's kind of my ministry at the University of Cincinnati. Um, first and foremost, I mean, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. Actually, I was a husband first and then a dad um, and have three kids who are nearly 16, 12 and four. So we got a good spread there. My wife and I celebrate 21 years of marriage this coming August. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of the scoop. I was in youth ministry um in a few different nazarene churches around ohio kentucky that area um youth ministry for about 15 years and then about six seven years ago i transitioned into college ministry okay so you've got teenager preteen kindergartner-ish and a wife and how do you juggle these things there's a, it's a lot. You're doing what you're doing, plus all of them. I mean, I obviously think coffee and caffeine is going to help with this. But how do you how do you juggle this schedule and and responsibilities and whatnot? And that's not to mention the two dogs, the gecko it's and the <laughs> the red-eared slider turtle. Oh, yeah. I I haven't seen that yet. Which uh, is is pretty fun and low maintenance, so that's not a big deal. But um. <laughs> Um, yeah, balance, balance is an issue. Um, but I think you just, you just kind of prioritize and you just kind of try to keep the main thing. The main thing as my, one of my heroes, Curly from city slickers would say, um, and yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always a balancing act and you know, some weeks you prioritize the wrong thing and your wife lets you know right away that that we shall not have another week like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's it's going it's going well. And right now I'm in transition. It has been tricky to figure campus ministry out, how to do that um, effectively. How much do you partner with the church to do that? And then how much is just kind of not lone wolf in it, but um, but just trying trying to be on the campus as much as possible. Um and so that, yeah, and funding it, not a lot of churches want to fund, you know, college ministry or can fund. It's not that they don't want to, perhaps. Um, but it's a tricky, it's a tricky calling to figure out. And so the coffee thing for me actually is, is also helping. To, it, it does a couple of things. It gets me on campus full time. Um, and then it also creates, in terms of the roasting business, it's hopefully going to create sort of an alternate stream of income there. To yeah to help fund the ministry things that we want to do. Um, and yeah. So do you work for a church? Do you work for like a coffee roasting company? Like how, how do you get funding for this stuff? And yeah, yeah. So, um, as I was transitioning out of youth ministry and out of kind of pastoral ministry in the Nazarene church, um, I was trying to figure out with my supervisor, my district superintendent, um, like what to do, what was it, where, where was a good fit? I was feeling a little bit like a square peg in a round hole kind of thing. 
and um, but feeling this nudge towards uh, the campus, towards you know figuring out the coffee thing, um, and how to integrate that into ministry. And of course, there's ways to do that within the church. A lot of churches are doing some cool coffee things. Um, but I wanted to take it to kind of a deeper level than yeah. probably most most churches are willing to to do. Um, so we actually found a campus ministry organization called the CCO that is based out of Pittsburgh. It's actually kind of a it grew out of the Young Life movement, yeah. kind of high school ministry stuff yeah. back in the late '60s, early '70s, and a bunch of Young Lifers staffers decided, hey, we should just we should do this on the college campus. Um, Makes sense. Instead of just passing these kids off and hoping for the best. Yeah. Here's a Bible. <laughs> you know, somebody should, somebody should actually follow these students to the <laughs> University of Pittsburgh and, or wherever and see, you know, how we can kind of keep the baton uh, in play there. Uh, so anyway, we've partnered with the CCO. What I love about the CCO is they create partnerships with churches yeah. to do campus ministry. So instead of it being a total parachurch thing, like a crew or navigators, InterVarsity, uh, some of those others, H2O at Ohio State. And there's a lot of great ministries that do that and use that model or are doing great stuff with it. Um, we just kind of like the partnership model because it does keep that campus ministry rooted a little bit more in a particular local church. Sure, that makes sense. Um, and it takes some of the fundraising burden off of the campus minister. Some of those organizations are asking their their ministers, their staff people to raise hundred percent or even more than that of their support. Um, so this gave us the chance to have a church that partners and ships in 50% of the, the funding. And then we raise support through the CCO to raise the other half of it. So that's kind of how it works for me in the Cincinnati Dayton area, the Nazarene church, the denomination hired me on as a campus minister through the CCO. Uh, so actually I work for the CCO, but the partnership is with the Nazarene church, the denomination in this area. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how we're, we're approaching it. And then the coffee thing, um, up until now there was no real, that was not really a source of income. That was really just a tool, kind of a methodology, yeah. sort of an approach to ministry was using that. But now the starting, I just started a coffee roasting business. It launches this week, actually May 14th. And, um, so hopefully partnering with a lot of churches and coffee shops that would want to serve you know, great coffee roasted here locally. Uh, it's called Numa, and um, and the, uh, hopefully a lot of people will buy into this idea of buying coffee. We're already buying coffee for the church. It might as well, you know, if half of what we spend on coffee would go to a campus ministry, that'd be awesome. So Make, we're hoping that sense. that works uh, to create a little bit more of that that supportive income, in because the, the fundraising thing is quite challenging yeah <laughs> well and i think too i i've heard before it's hard to sell people on college ministries because a lot of the times it's they're not bringing any like when you invest in a college ministry they may come to the church they may not depending on how they're feeling i mean it's college is a difficult one whereas like high school and younger they're coming because parents are coming or you know, when they get older and they're, um, you know, they're, they're choosing to go to church and things like that, then they're going to be there more consistently. Whereas college, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. That, that ROI, the return on investment is definitely not immediate. Yeah. And so it is ch more challenging, you know, a church is, and a church is wise to, you know, decide, Hey, we should, the first staff person might 
probably should be a children's pastor, you know, or something that's going to really bring people to the church, draw people, things like that. Yeah, when you invest in college students, it doesn't necessarily increase attendance or giving. And those are often kind of the, the big metrics for good or ill. Those are the, the things that, yeah. that we often need to see kind of growing to for a church to be sustainable. Yeah. But, but then a lot of times too, I mean, I remember going to college, things like that. And that's, that's where you're figuring out who you are. And so you're asking difficult questions and things like that. And what better place to do it than obviously in the church and things like that. So like you said, not right away necessarily, but on down the road, I think it, it long term it has a, a little bit more of a return, I think. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It does it is pretty cool to see, you know, when I've invested in a student, say for four years, kind of one-on-one discipleship or just having them involved in a ministry in the fellowship group times, Bible study, whatever, to see them launch out, get a job. You know, one guy just went down to Texas Instruments in Dallas, got a great job, electrical engineering. And, um, and he was just gung ho to find a church and to jump into a church and figure that out. And so he's texting me back and forth, you know, kind of getting some coaching and ideas and getting questions answered about, you know, what, what's the best church to connect with things like that. So, you know, the investment we've made in him these past four years definitely turns into a great thing for that church. Who's getting somebody who's yeah raring to go basically and is hungry to grow in their faith and. Well, and it's not, it's one of those things where you're, you're planting seeds and you don't know if your church necessarily is going to get the harvest, but that's not always the case. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And campus ministry, you definitely have to keep that kind of kingdom ministry mindset as, as sort of the overarching thing, sometimes more so than a particular local church kind of mindset. Yeah. Well, and I mean, in all actuality, I think churches should in general have the <laughs> yeah, kingdom right. mentality but call me crazy you know think of like that Jeez. yeah i always have to be careful saying that is and not you know that's not an opportunity <laughs> for a jab to say oh yeah by the way your <coughs> church ought to be concerned about the kingdom right not just your little k kingdom but yeah exactly okay so you were a youth pastor before you transitioned into college ministry what was the thing where you're like, I want to start looking into coffee. Like, was it, you know, college kids drink coffee or was it, you really like coffee or what, what was it that goes, I'm going to start doing more than just liking it. Yeah, it was, it it was definitely not like, Oh, Hey, I think this would be a good way to engage people. It actually was more of, I really started enjoying coffee and drinking coffee more and going to places where coffee was consumed and uh, brewed and discussed and talked about and whatever. And so really it was, it was kind of my own personal journey into um, coffee then led me to want to create ministry. I think environments that just were contextualized to to me basically in the way I felt like this is who I am. This is kind of how I'm wired. This is how I, um, you know, sometimes it's hard. It's hard to distinguish what is what is calling and what is just kind of my personal passion for coffee or whatever. But I guess for me, they're so integrated that I don't see any sense in trying to sort of demarcate that line necessarily. I just know that 
um, I love the conversations that tend to happen. Okay, so here's what happened. I was actually a youth pastor and I needed some insurance so that I could have a baby as cheaply as possible. And, um, and I had a brother, I had a nickel. <laughs> yeah. And I had a brother who worked at Starbucks at the time and he's like, Hey, you should get a job at Starbucks just for 20 hours a week. You'll get full benefits, whatever. So really I, I started working at Starbucks for the insurance, for the benefits through that. I kind of fell in love with the whole third place. This idea that here's a place where people like to go. That's not work. It's not home. It's this third place where, you know, you have the cheers effect, the bartender, Hey, Normie. Um, kind of thing. And, and I really began to experience that where I built relationships with people in the community. I'd been a youth pastor in for several years, yeah. but all of a sudden I, I was out in the community. I was meeting people. I was having more kind of what just felt like real life kind of conversations with people. Um, when I sort of got out of my ministry bubble a little bit. Um, and so it just opened my eyes to the whole coffee shop sort of environment yeah. and the, that that notion of third place and then it just began to occur to me more and more that that that's where I needed to be um, you know I it just seemed like a shame to me that I had lived in this community for five years but I had very few relationships with anybody outside the church yeah and then after six months at Starbucks I suddenly know you know 500 people who yeah. you know this or first that. name basis yeah almost. right like hey two fifty mochas cup. right extra hot no whip yeah so i know <laughs> these people by name and by drink and uh it just opened this something just kind of clicked there where i thought like there's something interesting here about this is a great way to engage people yeah absolutely um and on their turf um yeah yeah they're coming to you yeah yeah so <laughs> they got to get their fix or whatever it is. Yeah, definitely. And uh, and so that has grown more and more into like, oh, okay, I want to, I want to push this coffee thing to its limits. Like I, I really do believe that, um, that there are things about the created world that are pretty awesome and amazing. Coffee uh, fits in one of those categories for me. Like, thank you, God, that was a great idea. <laughs> um, and so to take something in creation and cultivate it and make it, you know, as good as it possibly can be, I think there's something very kingdom oriented. I think there's something very um, pleasing to God in that to take a piece of creation and cultivate it and develop it and 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 then share that with people. So the coffee thing began to be even more of this passion like oh, I want to. So then I had to leave Starbucks and kind of go. Um, you know, independent local coffee, kind of third wave, uh, slow food, artisan craft, espresso, whatever you want to call it. Um, joined this thing in Cincinnati called the Espresso Guild, and and uh, I had this guy training me who I would refer to as my Jedi of Java, and uh, <laughs> and so he taught me the ways um, of That's the bean. That's quite a title. <laughs> yeah, That's taught me latte art, taught me kind of the science, the chemistry of everything, you know, from steaming milk, what happens to a lactose molecule, to um, like extraction of of coffee beans and and what happens at different temperatures, you know, when you brew, you know, I'm mean, just all kinds. I mean, he was a guy who kind of trained me and then took me down this path that has really led to where I am now of being, um, you know, a, a fairly, uh, um, you know, developed coffee kind of professional taking this now to the roasting level and, and, um, 
yeah, some of the things I'm involved in. So anyway, yeah, so, but I, I feel like the more I push the coffee thing, the more just doors it opens. It opens new yeah. doors, new relationships, new ways to to utilize coffee and, and coffee kind of environments to engage people in conversations, um, you know, stirring up conversations, uh, creativity and community is sometimes how we, how we talk about it. So all of this, all of the, the master barista, all this stuff started because of baby. If you really <laughs> think about it, if you really you, think about the it, the root of it was insurance. So yeah, if we had, if you wouldn't have had a kid, yeah. well, a baby on the way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had, There's, you know, my brother was, my older brother was in ministry. Um, so he was kind of like this rogue alternative pastor kind of guy. Yeah. Um, exploring ministry in some different kind of models, some different ways of doing, doing church and things like that. Um, so I was definitely, I was already intrigued a bit by what he was doing. Yeah. Kind of, kind of doing Starbucks and coffee on the side and then doing ministry. Um, so there's probably, um, I would say, a, several factors that just made that the perfect storm of, of, but definitely, yeah, you, I think it'd be hard to make a case that I would have gone to Starbucks without the baby motivation and the need for insurance. Because that was definitely a tough sell for the church, you know, <laughs> to have me take on this additional part-time job at Starbucks. That was um, that was not quite kosher. Now, you were a youth pastor in Westerville, right? Yes. And you, um, I, I have some family that knows you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Stoles. Oh, the Stoles. It's my what? people. Yeah. Oh, how did I? I think we, have we talked about that? Yeah, like Ken and, Ken and Elisa Stoll, um, yeah, I've been good friends, and they were part of the youth ministry stuff there. Their kids were in the youth group when I was the youth pastor there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Megan and Chris. Mm -hmm. Those are my people. Yeah, awesome. We claim them once a year. I forgot. I don't think they, I don't know if they claim us. I forgot about that little connection. Yeah, we lived yeah. We lived in the same neighborhood with the Stoles. I think they lived on Blueberry. Blueberry Drive Hollow, something off of 161 Strawberry Farms. That's yeah. the neighborhood back there. Yeah. Give their full address. So, yeah, yeah. People so can, you can stalk them. Yeah. Throw some toilet paper around. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. That's, that's, that's it. Um, okay. So, at the coffee shop now, what's the name of the coffee shop? Yeah. So, I'm at a shop. Um, now, the shop is owned by a friend of mine. Um, it's called the 86 club. It's actually a ministry venue, a campus ministry venue okay. for live music. Um, oh, so there's like live bands and stuff there. Yeah. Every Friday and Saturday night nice. from, from eight to midnight, there's, um, there's shows basically anywhere from two to four bands a night on, uh, on Friday and Saturday nights. Uh, and that's how that venue started. Um, a couple of years ago, they inherited some really good, uh, coffee gears, an espresso machine, the La Marzocco, that I was quite familiar with. In fact, we had named her Ruby, and uh, I was good friends with Ruby, the machine. Is there, is there a reason why Ruby? She is Ruby Red, and she is amazing. Just one of those um, awesome espresso machines that's kind of vintage um, and like the picture-perfect Italian-looking espresso machine in your shop kind of thing. 
And so she came out of a shop that I was familiar with and had volunteered at and been a part of um, that went out of business. And then, so when she landed at the 86 Club, I decided, hey, I need to start hanging out at the 86 Club. Um, So I got to know the owner there. We got to be friends. We kind of hit it off. And we had the opportunity to start the roasting business, um, you know, just recently. So now I've started Numa Coffee Roasters, um, uh, roasting coffee, and it's in the lower level it's underneath the 86 club um but the cafe the 86 club cafe we call it the 86 cafe depending on how we're you know what day of the week it is it's (laughs) usually a cafe for me but um yeah so i'm upstairs at the cafe so i'm training baristas i'm kind of managing the coffee scene at the 86 club yeah um and now roasting coffee for the 86 club but that's kind of home base now for me in terms of where i engage a lot of students and and uh, yeah, nice. So the '86 Club is that like interdenominational, where you have a bunch of different denominations there, or is that just one denomination and you just happen to have an in? Or no, it is interdenominational. Um, the guy who started that really wanted it to be kind of a a neutral setting and a good collaborative spot for ministry. So yeah. that and so there are several campus ministries that utilize the space because you can cram you know three to four hundred students in there we had a super bowl party that was a lot of fun um where two of the ministries crew and navs came together for a super bowl party um you know and we provided the baristas and you know made drinks and and just had a great time that night they got big screens in there and and all that a killer sound system so it's a sweet a sweet spot for parties and and events like that for students that's awesome. And it's just a block off the, the main campus area. So it's just east of kind of the whole athletic center. Um, yeah, there's a little spot, a little part of Vine Street that's actually called Short Vine, where there's quite a bit of uh, kind of restaurants and and um, some cool sort of uptown Cincinnati culture spots. Nice. Um, okay, so what is the difference between good coffee bad coffee what are some coffee do's and don'ts that you would i love coffee Hmm. but i i got a good feeling if you would come see my coffee (laughs) you would go you're doing it you're doing it wrong you're you're you know it's funny i sometimes make the distinction for people that i'm a coffee geek not a coffee snob so there's kind of there's there can be a difference there so a coffee snob, yeah, would come into your house and start pointing out all the terrible things you're doing to the to White the glove it. And um, yeah, like using that blade grinder that's really not a grinder. It's a chopper. Let's just face it. That's just pulverizing beans. There's no consistent particle size there. Okay, so I just went into my coffee snobbery mode. You. But um, <laughs> yeah, so it, it's funny because people will be like, you know, when I come over to their house or something, they're like, oh. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I don't have any really good coffee. All right. You know, we drink coffee here, blah, 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 but it's not like Chris Bean good coffee or whatever. <laughs> so um, you've yeah. established a I level of I quality. Have, I kind of, yeah, I instill this fear in people in terms of, <laughs> oh, I'm embarrassed to even pull out my coffee <coughs> grinder or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely there's definitely things to learn about coffee. And, and, and the more you learn, the more you figure out you know there's just at every stage of the game in terms of brewing grinding 
even before that. I mean, growing coffee, processing coffee, before it ever leaves the farm, there's things that can, can go really well or go wrong. Um, and this, you know, by the time, you know, then the bean gets roasted. And, of course, the roaster could do all kinds of different things with it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, by the time it gets to your home, you know, Hopefully it's been freshly roasted and it's still in a whole bean form so that you can grind it fresh and brew it with some cool looking device. So you're, you don't, you're, I don't even want to say against, but necessarily against the ground up already coffee. You're saying get the whole bean coffee. I'm saying if, if enjoying coffee if, if that's a really important part of your day and your ritual and your routine and stuff like that, like why, why not, you know, why not just kick in the extra how many it, bucks and get the, do a, it the a way grinder, God not a pulverizer. Come on. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm in, you know, f for a lot of people, you know, their coffee passion has not yet, you know, reached a, a certain limit. Yeah. A threshold yet. That's going to make them, you know, pay $100 for a burr grinder versus $20 for a blade grinder. Um, so it's all, it's, it's kind of relative, I think. So, you know, wherever somebody's at on the coffee journey, I'm probably just going to nudge them, you know, the next step. What's the, the next, next step? Just, you know, yeah. somebody's going from, you know, Keurig K-Cups to, you know, getting a Chemex or something like that. Um, I mean, that's a pretty big jump right there, but yeah, if you're grinding, if you're taking a whole bean and grinding it with a blade grinder, that's better than buying a bag of pre-ground coffee that yeah. probably doesn't even have a roast date on it. So you don't even necessarily know when it was roasted. So it, it might be s six months ago that it was roasted and ground. Oh, um, that's true. I never thought about that. So, so yeah. I feel like I, my world's being a little <laughs> bit rocked right now. Like you're rocking the boat a little bit. Yeah, and it's, you know, like other things, too. I mean, people get passionate about all kinds of different, you know, slow food kind of stuff or, you know, glutinous or home-cooked that or, you know, craft beer or, you know, wine kind of stuff. Um, and so in the coffee world, there's definitely those same kind of quality things where yeah. I think it's, it's, it's just up to you how, like, how much would you like to enjoy your coffee, <laughs> you know? Now, when um, you drink coffee, do you use creamer or sugar or anything, or you just drink it black? The better the coffee, the blacker I drink it. Okay. So I would say that there are times where I doctor up the coffee. Um, I, I shouldn't name my least favorite coffee and throw them under the bus. Um, but there is a, there is a, an establishment that serves some great bread, but... I don't care much for their coffee. Um, <laughs> but when you add some creamer in there, I mean, it does, you know, it is tolerable. And this goes back to the coffee geek versus coffee snob. So a coffee snob would just not drink bad coffee. They just say, no. I'm a coffee geek. So I think even bad coffee is typically better than no coffee. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the worse the coffee is, the more I'm going to put into it. Now, I typically don't add any sweetener. Okay. I only add like some creamer or milk or something like that. Do you typically like half and half or do you ever do flavored creamer or anything? Or is it, I love those little French vanilla creamers, the little yeah. blue ones. Yeah. We have those at our church. And so, yeah. So, um, occasionally I've been known to, to use that again, if it's a bad coffee. Now, if it's a fresh coffee, I, c I know it was roasted pretty fresh. It's been ground, uh, hopefully just moments before I consume it. 
Um, yeah, that coffee, I'm not going to add anything to. That feels that wrong. wrong. Is it almost kind of like a steak? If the steak's cooked properly, exactly. you shouldn't need steak sauce. Exactly. I yeah. Okay. So you've had everything from the chopstick at Ponderosa <laughs> to the, you know, whatever <laughs> filet at Ruth's Chris or something like that, you know. Um, so coffee can be that. I mean, it can. some people don't think like coffee could be that different, the spectrum. Yeah. But, but it really can. I mean, I've, I've tasted some coffee that that sells for um, for over a hundred dollars a pound. Oh, wow. And it's pretty amazing. Like. I was not necessarily a believer. Like, could some, it really be worth that much? Yeah. And then I tasted it. I'm like, maybe. I mean, that was <laughs> that was good. I'll never forget that. You're like, if you see anyone putting Kenya creamer or sugar right in that, you're going after them. Like, ho, 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 ho. Yeah. What yeah, do you think you're that, doing? That would be like, um, you know, if you got like a Kobe like beef the steak Ming, with a the Ming vase and you put it in your house and you're like, this would look much better with a coat of like red paint. <laughs> um, so, Oh, that would be criminal. That'd be awful. Yeah. Um, okay. So there probably is going to be someone listening out there that is going. Yeah. Like that sounds like something that I could get into. I love coffee. I like ministry. I like connecting with people, something like that. What would be some advice that you would give them? Like if they're looking to start out and some steps along the way, like they're, they're looking to start this journey in, into coffee, into ministry, things like that. What would be some advice you would give them? Yeah. I'd, I'd say for your first step is just to seek out some like-minded people. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I I knew when I when I came to Cincinnati, I knew I was looking for sort of the the artisan culture of of espresso, handcrafted espresso drinks, latte art, that sort of thing. So I started looking for the people who were kind of focusing on that, and I really I kind of happened to stumble across the right person who was not only into that, but but as a as a way into ministry or doing some ministry stuff. Um, so that door opened for me probably much easier than it could or would perhaps for just anybody. Um, so a little bit of that's the right spot, the right time sort of thing. But I think if you just put yourself, so if you really become passionate about coffee, so just find the shop in your town, in your neighborhood or wherever you, whatever's close to you, that's most passionate about coffee that is pushing the, the level of kind of quality and, and, um, artisanal kind of value of the of the drink and the whole hospitality experience I th- um and yeah hang out with people there and get to know them and, and start asking questions and mm-hmm. and uh and things like that so i think if you just start putting yourself out there and finding the environments that are that are pushing that coffee thing eventually you're going to bump into someone who's integrating it with ministry because um because I just I bump into those people all the time. Um, I was in Atlanta at a uh, I was in a barista competition, an espresso competition, and um, and bumped into you know somebody who used to be a a trainer for the SCAA, the Specialty Coffee Association of America. He was the trainer um, of baristas, 
and um, and he told me about this sort of clandestine underground Christian barista kind of organization that <laughs> you know they would always meet up whenever the coffee expo kind of stuff, coffee fest or whatever comes to town, and hang out together and and sort of encourage each other and all those kind of things. Um, so it's definitely out there. I mean, there's people everywhere who are who are doing that. Um, I think the hardest the hardest part of that is. I'd say the coffee quality piece, like it does seem like there are certain people who kind of reach a point at which they're like, okay, this is good enough. Like yeah. this coffee's good enough. This cup of coffee is good enough. This um, experience or this cafe environment's good enough. Um, and I just think there's always, there's always room to grow. There's always room to learn some, some more, um, and again, for me, it's about um, loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so, I'm gonna I'm gonna push the coffee thing into into those categories and figure out how do I love God more with coffee? How do I love God more with you know that knowledge and and how to leverage that experience and that environment? Um, so anyway, I I'd say just start putting yourself out there. Look for like-minded people yeah. hang out with them and just start to dream together hey what could we do what could awesome um well do you have any shameless plugs that you would like to a ministry a website say hi to your wife maybe not whatever we're in your house so it's all right yeah you know what i should start off by saying Mom, I love you. Happy Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day tomorrow um, <laughs> as we are recording this podcast. But um, beyond that, yeah, my wife, Deb, uh, she's awesome. Love my kids. They're terrific. Um, but what's really important is that you could support this campus ministry. Um, yeah, that's a shameless plug. So we, we do raise support. We look for people who share our vision for seeing college students' lives transformed uh, so that they can in turn you know, change the world and have a great impact in the kingdom and uh, things like that. So, um, you know, we're all all the time inviting people to, to check out uh, the CCO who we work for. And you can go to chrisbean.org um, and find information on how to be uh, a partner with us in that ministry, that support raising thing. Um, the other thing is the NUMA coffee thing that's starting off, and that's NUMA with a P, P-N-E-U-M-A coffee.com. And, um, and that website actually launches this uh, very soon here, uh, May 14th. Um, and so if there's a church out there, um, a coffee shop, um, a, a business owner, anybody that wants to serve some great coffee in your, in your place of whatever business worship, um, we'd love to you know, get some coffee to you, especially in kind of the, the surrounding Cincinnati area, you know, out to Columbus, Dayton, Indianapolis, Louisville, Lexington, probably that, that sort of ring of people. We'd love to have some Numa coffee out there. Um, inspiring these kind of great conversations and community and creativity. Um, yeah, so Numa coffee and the, the campus ministry thing, chrisbean.org. You can find more information. And then the final thing I would say, I actually, I'm uh, helping launch this incredibly awesome thing called Kazi. And it's C-O-Z-Z-E-E. -E. So it's kind of a play on words, uh, coffee and cause. Uh, but Causey is a new social good sort of business startup that is taking 
taking that philanthropic thing to another level, I think. Um, and it's online e-commerce selling amazing coffee. This is, um, this thing launches actually in, in two weeks, May 19th will be the official launch date. And uh, what's cool about Causey is, and I'm the chief coffee officer for Causey, so I'm sort of the voice and face and the quality control guy for the coffee at Causey. Uh, so people can go online, causey.org, and they can pick out a coffee that they want. And along with that, they pick one of seven causes. And these could be uh, things like clean water, um, justice, jury kind of issues, um, shelters and stability health and i can't name them all right now but there's these seven causes that are really based out of matthew 25 um so somebody you can pick the coffee the bag of coffee you want and then you pick the cause that you want the profit from your coffee to go to and so we're really excited about this could be a you know just another great way to leverage the whole coffee thing to make a a great impact on the world so the 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 tagline is, I love it. It's, uh, you know, choose your coffee, choose your cause and change the world. That's awesome. So you guys need to go online, check that out. Step your coffee game up. Don't, don't get that pre-ground stuff. <laughs> Step your game up. And now we have great options on where you can go to get that coffee. So that's awesome. I, I'm, I got to convince my wife make her listen to this and then be like, see, baby, we need to, we need to get better coffee. And then I'll just blame it on you. It's be your fault. So, but well, awesome. Thanks so much for doing this with us. Um, we're excited for what God has in store for you, what you're doing already and great advice, great stories and great coffee. So that's all we have for you today. Don't forget to check us out online at legacyhelms.org and be sure to subscribe on iTunes. If you need t-shirts for your next big event, We've got you covered. Click on the t-shirt quote page under t-shirts on the website. If you would like Nick or Kendra to preach at your next retreat, revival, or camp, fill out the contact us form under preaching. And always remember, don't let your meat loaf or your mop flop.